the one with Bridget Beth, Carla and I, left my room and walked down to the tuck, which was pretty full, though it was still early. I wondered if later we would see more activity that looked like dates on a night with no movie or less. Not my problem. I had plenty of other problems, but that wasn't one. I was personally riding a double blow job high and walking with the two girls who had delivered them, if not as interactively with each other as I still hoped might happen someday. Maybe I did not actually have plenty of other problems. We were met with a surprise. Fortunately, or so I thought at the time, the Sarniokis had gotten back from their date night early, and Bridget was there in a booth, sucking on a thick milk cake in a momentarily distracting manner. Wow, you are done early, Bridget, Carla observed easily, reaching the booth first and sliding into it opposite Bridget. Beth followed immediately and sat beside Carla. I was slower, waving at people as I followed, even pausing briefly to say hello to Jen Potter, who was on her way out with a friend. That delay earned me at least a glance or two as I settled into the booth next to its original occupant. Date night for the Sarniokis. Tonight was dinner at Wendy's an ice cream cone, and an attempt to buy every last thing in the store at Target, Bridget reported, explaining her early release. But an early evening still pays the same. And I even got the creatures in bed and asleep for the Sarniokis before they got home. They were pretty stoked about that, actually. She sniggered after a moment. I'll bet they realized that they were going to get to have sex on date night. After all, we all shared a laugh, and Carla and Beth volunteered to go fight the modest line to get food for everyone. Bridget didn't want anything besides the shake, and fries the shake and fries the she was already idly devouring. I just wanted a double-sized chocolate malt. As they walked off through the crowd, Bridget turned a little toward me in the booth and asked, So what were you guys up to while I was doing toddler rodeo? It was just an idle attempt at conversation. In retrospect, I am sure of that. But with all the talk about secrets that afternoon and evening, especially secrets from Bridget, I jumped like she was hitting me with the third degree. Oh, arm nothing. We were hanging out in my room, torturing Ben, I added, wanting to focus on not the three of us. Bridget briefly cocked an eyebrow. I saw it. It scared me. She genuinely let it go. However, torturing Ben is always good, she observed, sucking once more on her shake. How did he deserve it this time, and how'd you do it, dumbass? Explaining that would require revealing the Maddie secret, which I still wanted to keep close, though at least it was not the nuclear level, one involving Carla and Beth. Oh, uh, nothing, really, I temporized. The three of us were just hanging out, taking about. Nothing, really, when Ben came in. Then Beth decided kind of out of the blue really, to tease Ben. It was, um, effective, a real sight to be seen. I added, momentarily brightening in an attempt, make the story at least interesting enough to not sound incomplete. Bridget just looked at me skeptically and not at Beth's sudden decision to sexually torment Ben. That seemed to be the only part that met with casual belief. My mind, which was frantically and inefficiently scrambling for cover stories, was immediately distracted by that. Had Beth been pondering Ben for a while now? How long? Before me even. Now was not the time to ponder Ben's chances. 
I had somehow wandered into a field of running chainsaws without warning, all because I had flinched just once. And Carla, Bridget asked dryly, did she torture Ben too? What? Oh, no, I brightened. No, she just enjoyed watching it with me. I'm not sure what I was hoping to accomplish there, but I sure didn't accomplish it. Bridget just sat there staring at me with an unreadable, but probably angry, look in her eyes, searching my nervous face, until Beth and Carla returned with munchies. It was about the longest I think I've even been in the same place with Bridget, without saying anything. See, the problem is, Bridget knew me too goddamned well. As I've said over and over, we have been friends almost from the start of freshman year. She had watched me grow taller than her. She had listened to me tell dumb joke after dumb joke after I had been shut out or ignored by other kids and didn't want to stop talking in case I started crying. She had helped me learn to tell better jokes, possibly in self-defense. We had played terrible practical jokes on each other, one time even getting in trouble for it. I had once helped her get a date, maining hang out in the tuck shop for an hour before study hall with Felix Dupont back in the 10th grade and I had held her while she cried after Gianni Torin dumped her. Back in the fall. It is interesting that every time I say I had basically never touched a girl before Carrie, I kept forgetting that night, when I must have hugged Bridget for twenty minutes. I'm pretty sure that is because that traumatic episode was not about the holding, and I sure as hell didn't have it in my mind that I was holding a girl. I had just been there for a buddy who was hurting bad. But, but that, and so much more, meant that Bridget could read me like a damned open book. I could read her just as well, to be honest, but she wasn't the one hauling around a book full of secrets at the moment. The girls slid back into the booth and shoved my malt toward me. Then they both caught sight of Bridget's face, which had gone from stony when we were alone to full, on stormy, wet, Carla asked, perhaps unwisely. Bridget just stared at us all. Somehow she managed to lock eyes with us all simultaneously, despite how spread out we were around her. Who? she asked flatly. Who what? Beth tried to ask flippantly. She and Carla still didn't know what was up, only that Bridget was pissed. I had an awful insight that somehow we were on the verge of being busted. Who fucked Alistair? Bridget ground out. I was more prepared for those words than the girls were, but it still felt like the bottom dropped out from under me. She was way more upset than I had expected. And I had expected her to be majorly pissed if she found out. Neither girl responded. Given the look they were getting from Bridget, I didn't blame them. Which one of you, Bridget ground on, fucked Alistair, and which one of you knew about it and did not share this information with me? Her gaze went back and forth between them like a searchlight in the silence that followed. It was pretty loud in the tuck, but to me, and I'm betting to all four of us, there was less outside sound than you'd hear in a sensory deprivation tank. Not looking guilty was apparently not a strength for either of my friends any more than it was for me. Neither even looked at Bridget at first as her gaze swept back and forth between them. When they did... They both looked like they had run over her cat. My eyes were glued to Bridget's face. I had always been happy to look at her face, until now. But no, I could not look away, 
so morbid was my curiosity about our fate. Her eyes narrowed, then narrowed again, then they shot wide open. <laughs> Fee breathed in fresh shock, eyes snapping to mine without warning, searching whatever she wanted to find there. She caught whatever she was looking for, but definitely not what she wanted in my face. I was unprepared, her eyes got even wider. She trembled, she actually trembled, not trembled like crying either, trembling like Vesuvius in 79, add. Let me out, she said flatly to me, all trembling instantly, banished. Ha, I asked, brain not tracking still. Move your scrawny ass, so I can get the fuck out of this booth, Bridget said with thunderous calm. Meekly, I stood up. Bridget slid out in an actually pretty scarily smooth motion and stood up. See you guys later, she said, and walked off as if without a care in the world. Beth, who had known Bridget the least time, observed, I think we are in trouble, guys, aren't we? Carla and I, who had known her longer, replied that we were so all going to die. Carla wondered which of us Bridget would slay first. I hope she decides on one of you, I observed with gallows humour. Well, thanks for nothing, hero, Carla said snottily. No, it's just that then she might lock up while trying to decide which one of you to kill, and we all might get to live to see graduation, as I said, gallows humour. We had hurt Bridget, worse than we had feared, and we all were dying a little inside. My alarm went off Sunday at Atom, like it always did. That is a horrifyingly early time to wake on a Sunday, when the school dining hall doesn't even open until 10.30 for brunch and omelette bar. But every Sunday morning for three years, year-round, unless it was actively snowing or maybe pouring rain, Bridget and I had gone for a training run. My phone's alarm went off at eight every week, and I would meet Bridget by the bridge beyond the hockey rink to go for a run. That was the calm, right order of the universe. I groaned and slapped cancel on my phone. That tradition was well and truly fucked now, all because I had decided secrets were more convenient and easier than telling the truth. At least I could sleep in. At 8.15, my phone rang. Why was my mother calling so early? It had to be her. There was literally no one else but her, if you looked on my phone's call log. No one else on the planet called anyone anymore. You texted like a civilized creature. Hello, I asked blearily. Where are you? Bridget's voice came acerbically through the phone. I'm out here in the cold, and you sound like you are still in bed. Well, I, ah, I, ah, I thought that you would want. I told you three years ago. When we started running together, you don't skip a day, Al. You skip a day. You start skipping a bunch of days until it isn't worth doing anymore. Get moving. Fleetingly, and for the first time, I was disappointed to not be called Alistair. Still very confused, but eager to try to salvage whatever I could. I hung up and practically leapt into my shorts and a t-shirt. I tugged on my shoes and was out the door in two minutes. Five minutes later, I was jogging around back corner of the rink. There was Bridget, looking fresh as a goddamn daisy and stretching impatiently. How about we do the big box today? She asked without preamble. Sure, okay, I said in confusion. Of all the school's measured road routes, the big box was the longest, at an exact tank. We never ran the big box, 
even in practice, once the actual track season began. It was mostly a cross-country workout before I could think twice about the sudden, gruelling prospect. We were on the pavement, turning left like you only did for the big box. We usually talked all the way around the route, whichever one we took on Sundays, but that morning we were silent for almost the first kilometre and a half. Finally, Bridget broke the silence. You can't skip a day, you know. Neither of us can. We have a lot left to do. What do we have left to do? I replied, both of us still breathing easy, though Bridget was setting a slightly stronger pace that I'd have expected or liked. We have two meets left in the season, both of which, absent a meteor strike, Varsity, Girls, and JV will all win. We ran a few, another hundred meters before I added, and then we graduate. And while yes, you are good enough to have a chance to make the team at Penn, I'm not sure they are going to even let me into the stands to just watch a meet at us. We have two meets left, she agreed, breathing easy. You still have a chance to win a fucking race, at least once in your career. Don't you want to? Hell yes, I said emphatically. Then even more emphatically, but it isn't going to happen. I don't have three seconds in me in the 800, seven in the 1500, or God knows how many in the 3000. You only need ten to beat Donovan in the three, Bridget snapped automatically. But more importantly, do you think either he or Rick are out training today? No, they aren't. They are cruising. They are cruising. They have already qualified for the New Englands. Those two guys ahead of you are sleeping in and getting fat. The idea of either Donovan or Rick getting fat was almost laughable. But Bridget was being intense about something other than me fucking her two best friends, so I was not about derail the conversation. You still have to win a race, she repeated between breaths. I still want to get my qualification times up into the top heats at the New Englands. So we run, hard. Unfortunately, she punctuated that last word by picking up the pace further. I didn't respond at first, and she started to pull ahead of me. She glared back at me, and I caught back up, but with ill grace. Do we have to make this a race to get you into it? She growled at me. For a moment, I forgot about the gorilla out there on the course with us, and reacted like we were the same old friends. You want to race me? On the big box? Afraid? Bridget, I'll kill you. I laughed quite sincerely, even though it cost me a few cubic inches oxygen. Bullshit, she said, almost angrily, but it seemed to be pretty much friendly anger about the matter at hand. When have you ever beaten me in any race, moron? Two times last fall in cross-country, I said promptly. My time was two seconds better than yours in the meet here against Choate, and I beat you by three when we were at Taft. You hang on to those times, dreamer. Both races, it rained after you ran, and while I did, Bridget scoffed. That was true, but immaterial. I had run better times those days. I had cherished those times ever since. In the 800, which is your best event, and my worst, your personal best, is five full seconds better than me. In the 1500, it is also only five seconds better than mine, I went on. In the 3000, I'm only seven seconds back, she looked at me. And if you compare our times from the same meet to the same meet, I'm usually at least that close, if not closer, I added. You still have never beaten me. Sure. And that is because you are close to being an Ivy, league-level collegiate women's athlete, 
and I am a barely varsity high school scrub, I said, really not wanting to actually work hard enough to race. But I'm a guy and you are a girl, I went on. Glad you got that figured out. I am, I said, overriding her before we drifted back to dangerous territory. I have six inches of height and more than a foot of stride length over you. Even with your superior form, I have more muscle and more muscle and more lung capacity. You cannot beat me at six and a half god. Damned miles, Bridget. Why are you trying to make me put in the effort to show you? Do I have to bet you? To get you? To get you to take this seriously? Bridget asked. A bet, I asked, a bit incredulously. We had never been betting kind of friends. That was me and Adam or me and Chris back home. Yeah, a bet. Loser. You. Lazy. Loser, Bridget taunted. Taunting was not her strength, I noted, though it was still annoying. And I still did not want to race this morning. What do you want to bet that you can win this race? She snapped, all right, kids. Hold on to your ass because you are about to see me do something spectacularly stupid here. I had been on a five-week bender of pushing my way through awkward situations, through sexual bluff, sexual self, confidence, and usually self, confidence, and usually self, confident sexual bluffing. It was becoming my default first draft response. The lesson I had not yet learned at that moment was that those had been sexual situations for which that set of tools were appropriate solutions. This was an attempt to avoid a fucking impromptu road race against a friend who was mad about me. About sex, so I at least had that last, incredibly unhelpful bit. Introducing sex at this point was a bad idea. But I did not think better of it until I was almost finished speaking. If I win, show me your tits, I said. Then I winced. What the actual fuck? Bridget yelled, never slowing her stride. And still stupid. And since bluff had become a big part of my repertoire, I said, Yeah, if you are gonna make me win, you have to show me your tits. Or are you ready to admit the truth? Maybe it just isn't worth it to you to run this dumbass race idea. Bridget shouted wordlessly at the sky, then added, Done. If you win, I'll show you my tits. Fuck. But at least she hadn't asked for stakes on my part. That had been my real worry. God knows what. But you have to have stakes too, she went on. When I win, you drop your pants. What? I want to see what is causing everybody to piss me off, Bridget growled. And I had thought this might be a healing run. Here we were with seven and a half kilometers to go, and we were picking at fresh scabs. Damn her. It's not like any of us had done anything actually wrong. We had just gone about it in a shitty way, Deal, I said. The rest of the way, back to the bridge. Done, agreed Bridget, and picked up the pace. I just let her go. I'm not a great runner, but I do know pace. She was suddenly moving faster than her best threek pace. The more she pushed too hard like that, the better I was going to come out in this. We are already racing, you know, she called back once she had put two hundred yards and growing between us. It was dead quiet, and we were just heading onto the only straight, flat stretch of the entire course. Her voice carried back easily to me. Yep, was all I called back and waved. When I race, I don't waste oxygen shouting, and now that we were doing this fucking thing, I was sure as hell in it to win it. And I was in it, 
to rub it in Bridget's unwarrantedly superior face. I freely admitted that I had neither her form, nor her grit, nor her natural speed. But fucking I, I had not killed myself for four goddamned years, making myself the best runner my body could become. To have her thinking that I couldn't beat a girl my own age over almost seven miles. Bridget held a lot of moral high ground at the moment, but damn it, I still deserved at least this much respect. And, yeah, and now, that the subject had been broached, I found that I was rather interested in seeing Bridget's breasts. I was, in fact, looking forward to it. A lot. It was, in fact. Since I had known her, I had never once gotten a good idea of what they looked like, even this year, when they had clearly grown a bit more. Bridget always wore sturdy, full-coverage sports bras when running like any intelligent girl. But when she wasn't running, her favourite item of clothing was a hoodie. And when that was not on the table, she wore loose, flowy stuff, and I don't think I had ever once seen her sporting a low neckline. I had no clear idea of how her boobs looked. But I damn sure always knew that they were there, and that all the sparsely available evidence was that they were considerable. And all I needed was a brief, fairly minimal, though committed effort, and I would finally get to see them. She was already totally pissed off at me. She couldn't get any more mad. Right? Right? I waited until she reached the end of that long, straight, flat stretch of road and disappeared around a curve. I picked up my pace as soon as she could not see me, and right when I knew for certain, she that she had to be letting her slack. I didn't press. I simply kept going along at just short of my old, mid-race, cross-country pace, for four kilometres. Every time I temporarily came into view behind her as the road wound, I had closed the distance, sometimes a little, sometimes a little, sometimes a little, sometimes a lot. Every time, she could see I was closing too. I finally caught her, at about the eight-kilometre mark, just before the direct, hilly, final stretch back to campus. We said not a word as I pulled up beside her. We ran easily beside each other for almost half a kilometre, until the big hill just beyond Elm Street. It was time for Bridget's nightmare. I clearly was going to win, but beyond that, I was mad at Bridget for making me bust my hump on a Sunday morning where I had just wanted to lay around and feel guilty. She was going to pay. And there was the little matter of the bet, the mental image of which had kept me company on the long, deliberately drawn-out road to catching her. At my school, the cross-country program dictates that hills are everything. If you treat hills aggressively, both up and down, they are where you can break your opponent. We hit the hill together and both answered our training, leaning in to accelerate together. But Bridget had let her anger get her early in the course and had pushed too hard for miles two through five. She is a great runner, so she still kept her form beautifully, eating up the road with each long stride, and quit was, as always, a foreign concept for her. She had taught me about that. But she had only been ahead of me for so long before by pushing herself too fast for what she could sustain over so long a distance. And I was still on my natural distance race pace. I was definitely hurting, don't get me wrong, but I could keep it up, 
I had put fifty yards between us in that near sprint up the long hill, and I just kept pushing on down the backside. The race was truly over already, and she knew it now. She had to have known it when I caught up to her where I did. My anger at her had long ago burnt off over the last few miles, and especially up that last big hill just now, but by God I still wanted to make my point. I pushed through until I looked up and saw the bridge that was the finish line. I ran past it with a final sprint, holding my form to the end. I pushed my timer on my watch absently as I stepped onto the bridge, then collapsed onto the ground so I could get that out of the way, before Bridget showed up and saw me committing the ultimate sin of lying down after a race. When she did round the last curve, I was back up on my feet and watching from the big oak against the back of the ice rink, right before the bridge. She sailed across the imaginary line and stopped her timer, form perfect to the end, beaten but unbowed. Blowing hard, she walked back to me, hand planned on her hip to help keep herself upright. Any chance you are just chilling, there and forgot to. You are no tortoise, I smiled, and I damn sure aren't that hare brained. I thought, Bridget went on, still sucking air, but recovering, I thought it would be closer. At the end, and I could psyche you out. And that, I replied, is why I didn't let it be close at the end. Come on, I added, jerking my thumb back towards campus, down the hill on the other side of the ice rink. Let's go have omelettes. Yes, I was still very aware of the bet. The thought of it had given succor to my soul on a few difficult stretches of the race, when Bridget was not getting closer as fast as I had planned. I had let the image float in front of me like a carrot on a stick during that last, agonizing push once I had passed her for good, when I was piling it on for ignoble reasons. But come on. It had been a skeezy bet. And even if it had not been, it wasn't a fair one. Even had she run smart, she was not going to win that race. And as I said, my anger at her had burnt off. I just hoped her at me had too. Wait, asshole Bridget said as I turned toward the path. Uh, oh. What? A bet's a fucking bet. You win. The idea that this whole stupid, skeezy, bet idea might make her more angry, not less, had not entered my feeble little brain. Why? Because I'm a dim-witted male. And because I am indeed dim-witted, and apparently very male, if recent events said much of anything, I turned around and looked on with more than a little open anticipation in my eyes. That was not well received. Oh well. If she was going to stay angry with me, I found I had some reserves of anger that I, too, could call on. She stood about ten feet from me, checked, as I did, for anyone in the area, then yanked her tank top over her head. The cups of her very sturdy, boring, beige, jogging bra securely squished her boobs against her chest. Those cups had better be strong because there was indeed plenty in them. For the first time, I saw a hint of cleavage on Bridget. Given the shape and coverage of the bra, for there to be any cleavage showing at all, meant that there was a very interesting amount of flesh within.
Wow. Um, wow, I repeated. Then I made one last chance to be gracious. They look amazing. I didn't believe that you'd actually take off your shirt. Nope. That wasn't the bet. And you know it, Bridget growled. Quit trying to be magnanimous. She crossed her arms and grabbed the bottom of the bra, under her boobs. Oh boy, here we go. I had never in my life been remotely hard this soon after a difficult workout, or especially a race. But here I was, slowly filling my thankfully baggy running shorts. Praise all the powers above that, the first shorts to hand when she woke me had been the baggiest I owned. And while we were at it, thank you also that I had on a long, untucked tee. I was expecting a brief but glorious flash. I had finally let myself hope for it. Bridget just pulled the whole goddamn bra off over her head and stood there, letting the damp fabric dangle from her hand as she held her arms down at her side. Let's be clear. I was sure they would be pretty good, despite the way she dressed. It was clear she wasn't under-endowed. And while there were no outright stories about Bridget going around, everyone she had dated had the good sense to not blab. The general tenet of conversation about her seemed to take a nice rack for granted. The narrative had probably come from other girls. But I was not ready for what I saw. I mean, holy shit, Bridget's torso was amazing. She looked even more fit above the waist than she did down below with her top, of the class legs. She didn't have a six-pack or anything, but she was verging on it, and her boobs were just unfair. They were as big as Mary and Maddie's, at least, and they were shaped even better. They sagged a little less, almost impossibly, given their size, and they were deliciously round. Her dark aureoles were tiny, little perfect circles barely three times the diameter as her pencil eraser, sized nipples. Nipples that were gloriously, achingly hard. The sloping curve of her breasts had those nipples canting slightly upward, jutting out as if demanding to be touched. So, I just stood there and stared wordlessly, because I'm evidently a pig or something. Al? she asked. You alive over there? Bridget added sarcastically. So what now? Do I need to turn left? She did. Oh, thank you. Or do I turn right? She did that too, adding a big arch to her back. Thank you even more. Speak up, dude. Do I bend over? Now she bent a fair amount at the waist, letting them dangle. Honestly, I was dying. Seriously, Alistair, Bridget said with some real acid in her voice punishing me with that name, after so recently letting me off the hook with a courtesy Al. What do you want? She ground out acidly. I've talked about my filters, the social interaction ones that my hormones and male instinct had repeatedly trashed in recent times. Letting a little slip through those filters at times had actually served me well, right up to my now evident destruction. Well, my hormones were saying that while Bridget might be sounding, She's certainly not acting like she hated me, and my male instinct was screaming to kiss her, or smile, or just at least say fucking thank you. All I knew was that she had taken that bra all the way off and was making no move to put it back on. So I deliberately didn't open up my filters. I didn't let them droop. 
I set them completely the fuck aside. What I want, I began, softly and deliberately, tearing my eyes off the incredible tits and staring right into her green, irised depths. What I want is to fuck your gorgeous brains out. Those emerald eyes widened instantly, bright as stars. And she laughed. Not some little titter of nervous delight, either. This was a full-throated burst of outright hilarity. She laughed hard. Nay, she guffawed. She laughed so hard that she had to bend over to remain standing. That had been awesome before. But this time she drooped her head too, and her tightly curled, blazing red hair hung low enough to obscure the final views I was ever going to get of that amazing body. Shit. Fuck you, hormones. Fuck you, male instinct. You have failed me when it mattered most. You failed me with Bridget. You failed me with Bridget, who was a better friend than any other girl. Hell, a better friend than pretty much any other guy, either. Who had practically been the foreman on building up myself. Confidence from scratch, to the point that the last month had even been conceivable. Bridget, who had just laughed in my face when I told her in admittedly the most over, the top manner imaginable, that I was attracted to her. Sometimes you just need to walk away from the rubble. I managed to keep my shoulders back and my back straight as I turned away. I could hunch over and sob once I was out of sight. I didn't say no, I heard from behind me. In this world, there is hope arriving unlooked for. And then, there is Gandalf showing up with Eomer and the riders of the Westfold on the third day. And then there were those four words. Look, it would be nice to say that this meant the beginning of the romance of my life, all glorious roads having led me to that crossroads. Cue the violins. But no, it did not mean that. We were eighteen-year-old people with less than a month left together in high school, before we went off in opposite directions, and I'm not that guy, or at least I wasn't then. We'll see if I ever get there. But what it did mean was pretty damned important to me. It meant I wasn't going to be murdered. It meant my friend didn't hate me, and it meant that I was going to tap that. All of that went through my head, even the bit about not cueing the violins in the time it took me to finish the step I was taking, I pivoted on the landing foot and strode right back toward Bridget at a considerably more peppy pace. She laughed again, though with less hilarity and more affection, but she held up her hand like a traffic cop. I almost didn't register the gesture because I was too busy appreciating how this presented new and fascinating effects on how those tits hung. But I didn't say yes either, she said, cutting hard through my fog of, well, my fog of lust. I stopped abruptly. Okay, I said softly. I wasn't sure what to do. I sure as hell wasn't going to be demanding. I didn't want to show any major signs of feeling denied as if I were owed something. All I could wisely show was simple, confused disappointment. Since I was confused and on the verge of being disappointed, that was easy to go with. Sorry, Bridget said, uncharacteristically flustered. Of course, she was uncharacteristically topless. 
so it was suddenly par for the course. Sorry, she said again, I'm just. I need to decide. Her voice had all sorts of tones I was not used to with Bridget. Uncertainty, doubt, maybe even. Yeah, fear. I took a single step toward her, not hungrily this time, but instinctively, as she seemed like she needed support. Wait, she said, holding out both hands this time, but less assertively. Damn, every time she did anything different, those tits presented something new and crazy hot. I've got to talk this out, out loud. Will you listen? Of course, I said. Listening, I could do. I mean, sure, she said, as if she had. She had, she had already been talking, which she probably had, just inside her head. I was mad. I am mad that they both knew about what was going on, and I was kept out of the loop. Serious party foul, man. I mean that. But that was not why I was so fucking mad, much as I wanted all three of you to think so. She heaved a deep breath. But let's face it, Alistair. I was. I am full on green. I'd monster jealous. I could not believe that they got to. They both got to. They both got to. Take a shot at you, each more than once, I'm guessing. And I didn't. She took a deep breath. Damn it, I was there first. But then she took another breath. She was not sobbing, not even on the verge of it. I didn't think. But she just needed air to get out all the feelings that even the run and the race could not. And I could not even justify the anger. I mean, I had in fact been there first and done nothing. I never even thought about doing something. Not even this year, before this all happened. I just kept on treating you like... She gasped regretfully. I treated you like... I don't know. A super high-end flat-screen TV with all the streaming services, she said at last. Honestly, one of those sounded pretty awesome to me. Then she tried to clarify just a kind of thing that was always lying round to entertain me when I didn't have something else to do. God, Arl, I'm so sorry for that. I said nothing and just made sure she could see there was no resentment in my eyes. That situation pretty much described all that my shy self had ever wanted back in the day. From her, or Beth, or Carla, or even from Ben, Adam, and Tress, just to be counted on and valued. She fortunately took the reassurance from my eyes that I had not trusted my clumsy, treacherous mouth to provide. But I swear, the moment I sent that text, guessing that you had actually been with a girl, the thought popped into my head. Ha! Al is a person who could get laid. That might be good to know. But even then, I still did nothing. And then, when the three of you were walking back after that first practice, when we, um, worked out what might be behind your success. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, I realized that I suddenly wanted very much to have you, even before that conversation broke up. Okay, that surprised me. I'd have liked to have known that. But we all traded glances while you were looking confused about fucking dick size. For God's sake, she grumbled, and I thought we three girls were all on the same page. Fooling around with you would be a party foul. We were a group of friends. It would get weird, and you needed to go on with girls who were not so. Lows to you as us. And then, she said, her voice almost sing. Song now, even almost good-natured, 
Those two bitches went and decided to indulge themselves anyway, without telling me, but more importantly, without giving me the chance to make a bid too. Now, I kind of wanted to be cranky. Had I known, a bid from Bridget would have instantly gone to the top of my priorities, and that would have been before I got to see what she was hiding away in all her bulky clothes. Why, yes, if you hadn't noticed by now, I am a pig. I tried to be considerate and giving and caring, but at the end of the day, I was deeply immersed in a full-on, big-budget, top-notch, male fantasy. Considerate pig was the best I could manage. I could not help but open my big mouth. Then, um, why didn't? Why didn't I end up making the decision they both made and just go for it? For the same reason, I'm hesitating now. I just cocked my eyebrow in patient incomprehension. Oh, fuck this, Bridget said to herself. It kills me to reveal to you, especially in light of the recent hysterics on my part, that I have a secret too, something I've kept from all three of you and everybody else. A secret? What? Wait, what secret? I asked stupidly. Was she was secretly twenty, five years old or some shit? That would explain the incredible tits. Bridget just took a huge breath and let it out. She said something so softly I couldn't hear. I beg your pardon, I said, weirdly formal, like I was in some damned parlor comedy. I'm a virgin, Bridget said flatly and out loud, louder than necessary, in fact. My first reaction was, quite reasonably, to utterly panic. Wait, what? I can't. I mean, we can't. I mean, you can't. Oh, man, I babbled, holding my head. Yo, man, now you calm down. I know I didn't tell you, but get over yourself, Bridget exclaimed. About your virginity, I squealed, my voice shooting so high it almost cracked for the first time in two years. Yes, my virginity, Alistair. Please don't get so upset you didn't know. Didn't know, I gasped. It's not that you didn't tell me. It's not that I didn't know. It's that you were thinking of throwing it away on my mangy ass. Throw it away, Bridget asked slowly. After this entire ordeal, you would have thought that by now I'd have learned to recognize her angry voice. It's your virginity, Bridget. That's fucking huge. I'm not that special. This isn't a fist. Bump between friends. You need a guy who you... What are you running out here, dude? The bird and bees speech my grandmother received. What? I almost screamed. Look, I said, pausing to stare at my hands, ball themselves in fist, and then relax slightly, over and over. I stared up at Bridget. I want to be more transparent than I have ever been about anything, if I may hear, I said. With every word I say after this, you need to be aware that I am a fucking horn dog who cannot, no matter how hard he is trying, shake the idea of getting into your pants. He wants to get in there and root around in every way he has learned how, but I don't want to be that guy. Fortunately, I am also a guy who is certain that the first guy winning out would be a bad thing for you and is trying to get you to think. Fucking, clearly. I took a deep breath. But I don't want to be that second guy either, since I'm being super honest here. Thank God she actually laughed at that. 
So what guy are you going to be? I took deep breath. I'm going to be the third guy. The one that knows it is your decision. And who knows that you are a more mature, sensible person than he is. And who will be around, willing to do anything for you, he can to help you make your best decision, whatever it is. Then I added, But if you are going to say yes at some point, please do so before graduation. If I find out too late that you are going to say yes, I think I'll jump off a bridge. Relax all. She took a deep breath. I'm going to fuck you. Possibly right here, right now, on the field of battle upon which thou didst win my honour. She finished with a medieval flair, bowing slightly, then straightening quickly enough to make her tits bobble a little. I didn't win your... I mean, um, I didn't. Thankfully, she interrupted me by taking a step closer, standing less than a few feet away. I'm pretty sure I knew I was going to from the moment you said you wanted me the way you did. But I needed one more dose of drama first. I am still a teenage girl. Drama is what we do, after all. I hated myself for saying the next words. Oom, first guy me is saying, fucking, ah, and looking around for a comfy spot for us to definitely get busted having sex on at nine. Thirty, I'm on a sunny day. Second guy is saying that maybe all the forced drama is a saying that maybe all the forced drama is a sign you should at least take a step back. And third guy, the one supposed to be in charge, Bridget asked. He's saying maybe you should explain to him why you think he's remotely worthy to take your virginity. Then you can listen to yourself and make sure you make sense. She smiled at me and took another step forward. First guy was pretty much ready to hold second and third guys at gunpoint if they didn't shut up. I was so close. And that is why, if I actually need a worthy guy, you are him, she said. Alistair, you aren't the first guy to get close, you know. Well, yeah. I can think of a couple of guys who I assumed. A couple of them probably assumed, too, she said dryly. Johnny Torin sure did. But I didn't with any of them, because... No harp musics, I asked quietly. Please don't say it had been, because there was no harp music, Bridget. If you say no harp music, I'm going to have to run away very fast. No, not because there was no harp music with them, asshole. Bridget replied with the cheerful sarcasm that had made her such a good friend for so long. Really, I think the minute we both realized that we actually liked calling each other asshole was the moment we became true friends and for the record, there is no harp music with you, either. I'm standing here with my tits out, she continued, trying to convince an overgrown string bean to give me my first fucking. A fucking that, I suspect, will be. What do you always say? Top notch. Does that sound like a deathless romance's birth? No, I agreed. Despite the subject matter, this suddenly felt like Bridget and all again. But if harp music wasn't the requirement... Then why didn't you go for it already? You have had some pretty good-looking opportunities. Because, in the end, when it came time to decide, I just didn't feel like going that far for the first, or any, time with any of them, she said tartly. I mean, some you might be thinking of never got anywhere, some others got a blowjob, or even three. I got eaten out once, she added, after a moment's reconsideration. I really wanted to know if that afterthought there was about Petra. I really, really wanted to ask. But I wasn't going to risk it, not right then, anyway. 
Guy who wants to get into Bridget's pants was so close. But I just never felt that any of those other guys were going to help me navigate an admittedly major new skill set. Unselfishly. And I really wanted a guy who I thought would be the same guy around me afterward as he was before. I didn't ever quite feel like I had found that. She shrugged. Damn. Everything she did with her shirt off had amazing results. So I had a chance to suck a few cocks that seemed to deserve that at least, learn that not all sperm tastes bad, and had a pretty amazing orgasm or two. She shrugged again. But I think I've only gotten pickier just recently. Now, I want a guy who can keep his mouth shut. And I want a guy who doesn't think only with his dick, but does think with it enough. She was grinning now, and I realized that she had closed the gap between us even more. And finally, Bridget said, tugging at my waistband and sliding her hand down into my jock. I was powerless to stop her, and had no desire left to try. Finally, I want a guy with a really enormous, holy shit, nope, never ever, gonna get old. I finally got Bridget to put her top back on, admittedly after an almost complete lack of commitment on my part toward trying to convince her, but decent she was once more, and we had no sooner started walking around the rink to head back to campus and someplace safe than we ran headlong into Dean Fletcher, who had been about to round the corner in the other direction. Hey, Dean Fletcher, Bridget chirped, as if she hadn't just been standing in the open topless, with a boy about twenty seconds previously. Once we got past that nearly heart, stopping moment, Bridget started wanting to work out where we could go right exactly then to finish our discussion. I shrugged. What the hell? Everything else had blown up. I have just the place, I said. It is supposed to Beth's and my secret place, and I'm not supposed to tell any other girl I'm with about it. But I think you ought to get a secret to have too, after all this, Right. We are going to tell her, Bridget said sternly. Then she grinned wickedly. Immediately after we are done with it, her laugh had always been infectious. So what is this place you found? It is the recording studio in the library basement, I said. I have the combination. It is lockable, out of the way, and unless it has been scheduled by musicians early on a Sunday morning, it will be free for a good long while. No one goes in without an appointment, except for deliveries on weekday mornings, and best of all, it's soundproof. I finished brightly. Soundproofed, Bridget said, askance. Yeah, of course. It is in the library, I mean. That is the best thing about it, sure. Come on. Girls are loud during sex. We really don't want to get caught. I've gotten pretty experienced by now. Why was I still getting these looks all the time? We found ourselves trying to stroll, but at an almost ridiculous-looking pace. We giggled about it and tried to slow down. Hey, what was your time after all that? Bridget asked, trying to make conversation to fill the eternity until we could be safely in private. I looked idly down at my watch for the time I'd recorded. Holy shit, I exclaimed, shoving the watch out toward Bridget proudly. Holy shit, she agreed. Then she swore in mock anger. What? I asked. Now, if I want you to finally win a fucking race, I'm going to have to offer to show you my tits again. I looked at her. She looked at me. I'm gonna win a race, I sang. 
I'm gonna win our eyes. The schedule for the recording studio was indeed open, and I let the door close behind us, gently. The second it clicked, I felt Bridget's top slap into the back of my head. I started, then slowly turned around, only to feel her sweaty bra hit me in the face. No soggy piece of heavy fabric ever felt so amazing. I yanked off my own shirt as fast as I could. Still, hey, I started, then instantly got side. Tracked, I know I didn't say this out loud before, but you have the most beautiful chest on the planet, okay? I shook my head to free my eyes from said chest. But we can slow down. The room is not scheduled until four in the afternoon, and we would be missed at dark before then. Anyway, we have all the time in the world. I know. This is not how the dynamic is supposed to work, said Bridget, who was, oh my god, pushing her panties down to her ankles. Her pubes, wispy and soft, were as red as the hair on her hair. Oh god, oh god. But now that I have finally decided to do this, and have the logically arrived at Mr. Right lined up, I kinda want you to be Mr. Right now, I flushed at that, but protested. But we have a lot of things to do first. First? Well, sure, I said, trying not to sound like I was some kind of expert talking to a virgin. A virgin who still probably had as much experience as me in pretty much everything, but, like, we need to make sure we both get in a really satisfying orgasm, or three first, right? She looked at me calmly. I mean, to get you ready for. Well, this, I gestured southward. And, I blushed, a little embarrassed. And to make sure, I don't go off too soon the first time when we do finally. She was just looking at me with yet another unreadable expression. I mean, I know it's embarrassing, and I'm sorry in advance. I'm getting better, I promise. But my first one usually comes on pretty quick. And the prospect of my first time with you already has me on a hair trigger. I'm learning to get better. I'm learning to get better. I'm serious. Why are you suddenly laughing, please? Don't. I'm babbling. I know it's funny. But I'm serious about having a hard time holding back the first time, I said, tugging off my shorts and jock, eager to shuck the very uncomfortable strictures. And Bridget? Seriously looking at you right here, right now. I'm lucky I'm not coming already, just from the view. She blushed but I instantly realized that she wasn't even listening much to my attempt at a compliment. She was staring at my slowly bobbing cock. I thought I was about to get a second Taj Mahal moment, but instead she just took a deep breath and said, Yeah, I guess it is going to take some getting ready for that. I grinned and pounced on her, my ankles finally fee of the jockstrap. I have some ideas on that front, I said, to which she quietly shrieked in response. I was honestly surprised that no one ever said anything about how one of the big, wide, upholstered vinyl chairs from the reading lounge mysteriously needed to be in the recording studio. Everyone, including the faculty, seemed to assume someone else wanted it down here. It had taken Beth and me an hour to get it down and in without anyone noticing the move. I plopped Bridget down on that chair and bent over her. Sex could wait. All the other preliminaries could wait on this. I leaned in and kissed her. She moaned a little as our lips first touched, and she almost instantly shushed herself, mostly by reaching and pulling my head down 
against her and locking her mouth onto mine. Aside from confessing that I really did almost come, just from the touch of her lips, I will only say about that first magical kiss, that holy cow did she have a wonderful tongue, capable of mighty feats, in no time. I lost my balance over her and collapsed on top of her. We managed not to hurt each other in the fall, and I almost forgot about the things her tongue was doing to first my mouth, then my ear, and my throat. I almost forgot because my hands had leapt with no restraint at all onto her breasts. Oh, those tits! They were so nice and big. They were incredibly firm and damn, near gravity, defying but so warm and soft to the touch, and she definitely liked having them grabbed a little, maybe a lot. Her nipples remained yearningly erect against my palms and fingertips. I wanted to suck on them so badly, but that would mean removing my mouth from Bridget's face, and she was having none of that, holding my head firmly in place by the hair behind my ears as she kissed her own way from earlobes, to throat, to lips again. Even if I lost half my hair, I had to move downward. I shook her grip from my hair and slid downward atop her. I stared down at those tits for a moment before just spontaneously burying my face between those incredible feeling mounds, rolling my head all around while pressing them against me. I had to come up for air eventually. I exaggerate, of course. She was generous, not cartoonish and found myself almost instantly wrapping my lips over the entire expanse of one tiny aureole and sucking for all I was worth with a hunger that surprised me. It seemed to surprise Bridget, she gasped. Are you okay? I asked, pausing. Was that too hard? Bridget just responded by grabbing my head again and pulling me back against the same nipple. Not hard enough, she groaned as I did my best to comply sucking as hard as I could and flicking my tongue wildly over her erect nipple inside my mouth. I decided I wanted to do this forever, though it would be hard to avoid starvation with this tit in my mouth, permanently. I still would have given the idea a try, but I wanted to continue moving lower even more. I knew I had even better stuff to do. I slid down her luscious torso, past her sleek flat tummy, and came to rest, Kneeling before her, between her trembling, spread legs, I leaned in. Stale sweat is the worst smell on the planet. But fresh, well-earned sweat from exercise, rather than heat, can be intoxicating. Combined with the aroma of her pussy, I was practically drunk in moments. I knew I should tease. I should take my time with kisses along the thigh, or gentle caresses of the lips down there. A kiss would be nice. A series of licks on the belly would be better, perhaps. But all too often, as with this time, I just can't wait. A soft kiss, right on what there was of her wispy little fiery bush. A wet, slobbery lick up the top of each inner thigh. And a nuzzle of her belly button were all the preliminaries I could manage for Bridget before I dove in between her legs in earnest. I pressed my lips against hers, redolent with aroma, and hummed gently, letting the vibrations transmit against her pussy. Then I extended my tongue and dragged it from top to bottom, and back up. She was damp and tasted wonderful. I rocked down so I could look up at her, and saw that she rolled her head back as far as she could. 
I brought a hand up to caress her slit for just a moment so I could lift my head and croon. Lift your head, please, Bridget, I said softly. I Look me in the eyes. She lifted her head slowly. What? Okay. Why? She asked, already sounding a little mentally disorganized. That was promising. I just want to see your face, I said. You know, for when you, you know. She seemed to focus for just long enough to snort at that for some reason, then just nodded, and her hands pressed my head back down softly, but with entreaty. I let my tongue press slowly into her, watching as her eyes widened, then softened in response, but she kept her head up so she could keep eye contact with me. I massaged my tongue in and out of her, mining both to different depths and forward and back inside of her. I studiously avoided her, very top area though, watching for when the time was right. Over and over, I massaged her insides with my tongue and her legs from thigh to calf with my hands. When she suddenly shuddered and made just that noise, you know the one, right? I slid my tongue upward and in, but a moment later I finally sought her, clitoris, and lashed at it swiftly, up and down. Bridget's slitted eyes flew open, and her mewling sprang louder, even though she tried to clamp down her mouth on the noise. Anther single lash at her clit and her hips bucked pretty violently. She lost control. Crimson flashed across the pale skin of her face, highlighting the splash of freckles on her cheekbones. Her head then snapped back again, and her hands clutched almost painfully hard in my hair, pressing my face into her crotch. And she fucking outright screamed, Fucking hell! Oh, 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 oh. Fucking, fucking hell, all at the top of her lungs. And then, like the proverbial puppet whose strings are cut, she collapsed completely onto the chair, still staring upward at the ceiling. I'm going to die, she muttered happily. I raised up straight on my knees and checked to see if I had any hair left or if she had yanked it all out. I'm sorry I stopped looking at you, Bridget said groggily, finally looking away from the ceiling and back to me. That was great, I reassured her. I saw exactly what I wanted to see, and fucking hell, man. That was the loudest noise I think I've ever made in my life for any reason. Well, yeah, right? I said, shrugging. Bridget gasped a quick laugh. Do you ever exaggerate anything about sex? Why bother? It would all become pretty evident anyway. She just shook her head. Then, I guess you are going to need my best blowjob. So you don't go off the second you finally deign to break down and put that thing inside me. We both laughed at that one. I laughed appreciatively in more ways than one. She struggled to her feet, and Bridget commanded me to sit in the chair. I sank into it, cock-waving around, practically grumbling about how long it had had to wait. Bridget, in turn, slid to her knees and leaned over my thigh to caress and examine me. Her brow furrowed. Look, Alistair, she said earnestly. I think I have leaned some things about what I am doing down here. Really, but I am just a little worried about how I am supposed to deal with this. I mean, you know, it's yours after all. Any advice? She laughed at herself. Honestly? I shrugged. This is about the one part that I don't study much when it is going on. I mean, I just like lie back or stand there, relax, watch her face and enjoy her enjoying herself. I trailed off, 
vaguely aware that that was a possibly odd way of describing oral sex to a girl who was contemplating giving it to me for the first time. Oh, and tongue, I like lots of tongue, please, I added eagerly. I do aim to please there, Bridget said, and with that she bent to drag her tongue around my head and up and down my shaft with oddly intense laziness. Yes, she was definitely pleasing already. What armlent? Bridget tried to continue talking, despite keeping her tongue on my cock in some way or another. If how muth of thith can a glurl wee take? It took me a second before I got it. Oh, well, I dunno. It doesn't really matter in the end, does it? I've always been happy no matter how far down and all, in the end. Very happy, I said, and Bridget relaxed. I mean, it is pretty amazing, I went on, as she started licking again, when Carla takes it all the way, right to the root, but what? Well, yeah, but come on, I think that is actually pretty freaky, right? I mean, a guy has to hope for no more than at best half of that, right? And anyway, the best part is always the tongue. Thank you. Don't ever change, Alistair, Bridget murmured, taking a moment to rub me all over her face, dragging my helmet across her cheeks and over her nose. I thought the whole reason this is happening is because I did change. Not in your soul, she said softly, and suddenly wrapped her lips around me and started suckling on my cock like it was a baby bottle. What a nice thing to say. Not as nice as what she was doing with her mouth once she had said it, though. She had both hands stacked around my shaft, not jacking me or anything, just gently massaging. All the action was up at the top couple inches, buried between her lips and being tortured by her head, bobbing up and down around it, with her tongue inside, as requested, slowly thrashing around me. Her mass of tight red curls, bobbing up and down on my lap, was possibly the best view of my life, after the one of Carrie naked beneath me on the hood of the Mercedes. I was just so relaxed and happy, I forgot to even think about the ways to prolong things. Almost out of nowhere, my relaxed happiness flipped over to urgency. Told you I'd be quick, I grunted. I'm going to. Bridget just languidly lifted her head free of my cock and raised and lowered her hands languidly on my shaft. I just gasped on a long, slow, wordless moan as I watched my jizz-fucking fountain out. The first little spurt slapped into her smooth cheek, and she let out a little gasp of delight. The second main effort shot out hard, hitting her partially open lips square on. A lot of it had to have shot directly into her mouth, but the rest spread out all over the bottom half of her face and chin. Bridget pulled back a bit at the shock of the flow, and my follow on jets ended up leaving streamers down her throat and upper chest, quickly drizzling down her upper breasts. Now, that was fucking hot to look at. Bridget seemed to be swallowing what had gone right into her mouth. Then, she lifted her lower hand off my cock and started wiping her face with her fingers. She looked at the cream, shrugged, and licked her finger clean. Then she reached down and wiped a stream of cum off a gorgeous boob. I wanted to come again, just from looking. Memma, Alistair, you really do taste good, she mused, as if to herself. Well, yeah, I guess, I replied anyway. 
I mean, blowjobs would not be very fun if cum tasted, you know, bad. Bridget looked up at me and sighed. Let me guess. All girls find all cum to be delicious. Well, I'm just saying that blowjobs would be a lot less common than they seem if semen didn't taste good to girls, I said, reciting the obvious. But questions like hers seem to often mean the opposite of what they implied these days. Right, I added with less certainty. I'm sure every girl will always think that your semen tastes great if they give it a chance, Bridget sighed, still tasting mine as she busied herself cleaning up the beautiful mess. But not all guys are so lucky. Sucks to be them, I mused, and she snorted again, but my shaft was still in her hand. You never got soft at all, Alastair Bridget exclaimed, waving the evidence around a little. I usually don't the first time, I said. Why would I, especially now, with such a beautiful creature in front of me? Bridget flushed again. Her pale skin seemed gratifyingly susceptible to very visible, full-body blushes. Then she seemed to think of something and smirked a little. But, moments after that, she stopped doing anything else but taking a deep breath and staring at my cock. She looked up at me. I'm ready, she announced firmly. She looked around and leaned over to run a hand across the plush pile of the floor rug that had been put in the room to absorb sound. She let go of me, lay back on the floor, and beckoned. I'm ready, she said again, with equal conviction. But she was staring at my dick again with evident caution. I slid over and above her, trembling with anticipation. No, I trembled with lust. Holy fuck, I was feeling such an animalistic hunger. It could only be called lust. I loomed over Bridget, my cock dangling down over her. She reached out and caressed it softly. And she quivered. We don't have to do it like this, I said, concerned. I mean, I love it this way, but if I roll over and you get on top, you will have a lot more control. I want it just like this, she said firmly. I just nodded. Then I looked around, fretting. I hid some condoms in here, just in case, I muttered. I have a contraceptive implant, Bridget said pulling my body back over her. You do? I asked, as if I'd never heard that before. I just hadn't expected it now, somehow. With Bridget being last summer, my mother would not hear of my being on the pill. She chuckled, but my father was more concerned about my getting pregnant than my getting laid. He took me to the doctor and got me the implant. She laughed louder. Then he told me not to use it for the five years it lasted, except in emergencies. Oh, I said. But, Alistair, this is an emergency. It sure felt like an emergency to me. I leaned down to kiss her, our lips caressing each other, no tongue for the moment. I lowered my hips and felt my cock bump against the lower part of her belly. I shifted a bit and I slipped lower to dangle between her legs. I moved my hips so as to drag my tip along her slit and I felt her moisture waiting, beckoning. Bridget quivered beneath me, reaching up to rest her hands gently on my ass. I rubbed harder and felt myself begin to nestle into her folds. Her kisses became more breathless, more demanding. I returned them in kind, but felt very tentative about sliding any deeper. The hymen was some kind of mythical beast I had heard of lurking in the depths for me to slay. I get it. I'm a geek. 
Dungeons Dragons can work its ways into my consciousness at the weirdest damn times. I realized that I was encountering something I never had before, and my gentle probing stopped. This wasn't the glorious resistance of an awesomely tight pussy, though I could already tell that Bridget would be a vise. This was a blockage. The blockage. Why hadn't I found a way to get her to postpone this? That way, I could have done some research or something on how to do this right. This had to be perfect. It had to, and I was not sure I was up to making it so. Bridget broke our kiss and looked at me. I looked at her. We can stop, I offered. It was possibly the most difficult thing I had ever offered. Every shred of my being wanted to just slam into her. My male instinct was having a field day, of course, but I swear that even my sense of restraint was screaming, Fuck her hard, you jackass-ass! No, Bridget said, shaking her head breathlessly. I'm ready. Let's do this. She seemed to steel herself in anticipation. You look scared, I fretted, because I am doofus, she grinned apprehensively. This is going to hurt. I hope not too much, and I'm pretty sure not for too long. But it is going to. Now do it, before I grab your ass and do it for you. But I don't want to hurt you, I almost whined. I want you to hurt me, she said, as if trying to reassure herself, as well as me. Mostly because I just really want to fuck you, but also because I know you will keep me safe. Safe was a confusing word. Carla wanted me because she didn't feel safe around me. Bridget wanted me because she did. But no pressure or anything, I chuckled, trying to find refuge in humor, Alistair Bridget growled. I felt her hands grab my ass and knead it. She was getting ready to pull me into her, for real. That wasn't happening. I would do this myself. I felt her tremble beneath me, and I did likewise in response. And I pushed. It was surprising how easily it tore under my advance, almost literally popping. Bridget hissed a little, and grimaced. I paused again, but her hands kept up their pressure on my ass, and I resumed. She was indeed amazingly tight, and I had to take my time burying myself into her. Even had I wanted to just plunge the rest of the way in, it would have been impossible. I watched intently as the grimace faded from her face, as I worked deeper and deeper. She might have seemed to have some discomfort left, how much I could not tell, but I felt like I was in heaven. We both sighed as I settled fully inside her, my tip tickling her depths and making her jump slightly. I simply lay there for a bit, savouring the incredible feeling of just being fucking buried inside Bridget, her warm fit body largely supporting my weight, her fabulous tits against my chest. Did that hurt? I asked, still worried. Oh hell yes, she sighed happily. Still does, she added, as if fascinated but I feel so overwhelmingly good otherwise, so wildly, full. I'm just, glad you fit. Really, you're okay, you bring new meaning to the phrase, hurt so good. Bridget almost crooned, suddenly beginning to squeeze herself around my cock inside her. I'm so sorry. Shut up, she ground out through happily gritted teeth. She dug her fingernails into my ass. She didn't trim them very long, but they were long enough to hurt as hard as she squeezed. Ouch! I yelped, unable to keep quiet. There, Bridget said. We are even, all right. She started squirming happily underneath me, softening her grip on my protesting glutes. 
Are we finished talking about my already fading discomfort? I want to get sweaty and loud. How was I to argue with that request? I drew back and then thrust back in. And again, my eyes were riveted to Bridget's face, enthralled by the look on it each time I drew back and plunged into her again. Oh, wow, she breathed. I drew back, and this time I slammed into her fast. Her heavily lidded eyes shot wide as I repeated the hard thrust. I tried to repeat the same slow withdrawal and eager impalement. But sometime the body wants its own agenda, and soon I was racking myself in and out of her as hard and fast as I could manage. Her body rocked beneath me, her tits wobbling around so amazingly that they actually could compete for my eye's attention with her lovely, expressive face telling me how much she was enjoying this. Looking down on her beneath me was almost better than the feeling of being inside her. That's bullshit, and you know it as much as I do, but you get the picture. Even with her frankly awesome blowjob earlier, I was starting to get close again, but I could tell that she was not yet there. It always seemed to take a while for girls in missionary. She was clearly enjoying herself immensely, but not yet pushing toward the edge. I slowed to hold on longer myself, and stopped. Then I just barely withdrew from her. Ha! Bridget asked, displaying again that little mental disorganization that tells me I'm doing a good job. Shah, I said, then kissed her again gently. I ran my cock along the outside of her slit now, listening for her reaction when it stroked across her clitoris, which stood just proud enough in her folds for me to caress it like this. I felt her clench. There we go. That's what she needed. A few more strokes, and she was whimpering at last. I drew back and then slid down into her again. I slowly slid my hand between us to gently keep up the stimulation while I started to thrust into her again. I caressed her clit softly, but grew faster and harder at the same time with my main efforts. As she began to grow louder in her moans and cries, I felt her build. I let my hand slip from her folds and I clenched her breast almost desperately. She had such perfect tits, but my hold was indeed desperate and I was just slamming into her with an urgency I could not restrain anymore. Bridget felt my imminence, I thought, because she crooned almost desperately, hanging on by a thread herself. Her hips bucked up against me. It felt like I was gushing everything in my body, from calf muscle tissue up to the saliva in my mouth, all liquefied and charging down and out my dick and into Bridget. The tidal flow and almost violent pulsation of my cock inside her seemed to give her body what it needed to finally let go, and she shrieked again and again underneath me. I kept up my thrusts, even though my body was screaming in ecstatic overload and was demanding that I stop already. But I wanted to make sure I had drained this woman of every last drop of her own passion. I finally felt her collapse and relax beneath me, and in desperate relief I too sagged. I gasped happily as I stopped pounding, cock throbbing in exhaustion inside her. We both lay there, trying to figure out how we weren't dead. Well, she said at last, after heaving a mighty sigh. That was nice, yeah, I replied weakly. I thought it was nice too. Neither of us had the energy to laugh, only smile at each other. Want to do it again? I asked with a weak grin. 
Oh, holy shit, yes. But then she said, But no, not now. Of course not right now. Of course not right now. You have to give me a few minutes, and I'm sure I can. We are going to do this over and over again, while we have time left together. She giggled. And I claim priority over those two bitches until I catch up. But right now, my heart just about stopped. And we just both ran a tank an hour ago. And we both have drunk our water bottles dry. We both need to go to the dining hall and get food. And water, and milk, and omelettes, you know, lest we die. I managed the energy to actually laugh. God, an omelette sounds good. We went straight to the dining hall, not really considering our odour. Fortunately, in the press of brunch, the food service area is powerfully aromatic already, enough that we got no weird looks except maybe one from old Mrs. Lorisova, who was rationing out the bacon. But we both headed away from everyone else and found a far table to ourselves to eat. We sat there, attacking the food and slamming back water like we had just been rescued from fourteen days on a life raft at sea. Suddenly, we both looked up and saw Carla and Beth standing there with trays, both looking very tentatively and uncomfortably at Bridget. She just smiled at them and waved at the seats. Hey guys, what's up this morning? They traded glances at each other as they sat, as if looking for a trap. My presence reassured them, I saw. It was probably the only reason they had had the courage to approach Bridget at all. Beth picked up her knife and cut into her own omelette. Then she looked up at Bridget, meeting her eyes and replied quietly, Nothing much. We are just glad to see you. Then she grinned. Well, Carla, she went on with sudden glee, I guess that is one way to solve this situation. What? said Carla, confused, but glad a firefight wasn't breaking out. I'm pretty sure Bridget just short-circuited the issue and fucked Alistair herself, along with other assorted activities, Beth said, hardly able to contain herself. Carla gasped, then stopped. She sniffed at what her gasp had told her. Then she leaned forward and took a deep, ostentatious whiff. Bridget could not help but giggle. I just sat there looking smug. I felt smug. I felt I deserved to feel smug. Smugness quite possibly defined me at that moment. Besides, I knew my participation in the conversation was not currently needed. I resumed eating, in hopes my other services would, however, be needed again soon, and often. The smell gave us away, huh? Bridget asked. We were so hungry, we didn't think, until we already had trays. It's why we are way the hell over here. It wasn't the aroma at first, Beth said mercilessly. It's just, unless I am very mistaken, you have a Lee Eatle sticky patch of cum on your face, right there by your ear. Bridget blushed. Oops, still, it was a good morning to lose my virginity. You what? Carla practically shrieked. She stood up so fast she hit the table with her super long thighs and almost spilled everything on it. A few other kids looked lazily over our way but it was just our crazy bunch and nothing spilt, so they all lost interest. Beth just sat there, dumbfounded. And with that, ladies and gent, Bridget said almost sternly, I announced the new no secrets about sex rule among us. None, clear. The others immediately nodded. Good. To get into full compliance, I will tell you, Beth, that we had sex in your secret room. I had that coming, Beth said calmly. Wait. 
You have a secret room, Carla asked quickly. You don't? Beth asked, as if surprised they had not brought this up between them. I was sure surprised at that. We always screw on the high jump pit. Outside, Bridget almost choked. It is actually way more comfortable, I allowed myself to contribute. I'm surprised they don't sell those things to married people. And it is surprisingly discreet up there, at the right time of day, Carla agreed. But it does not have a locked door, she added hotly. You had to hog the love nest for yourself. In fairness, I didn't know about you, said Beth defensively. I just didn't want to share it with Sherry, or Jen, or Poppy. Wait, Bridget put in firmly. She looked at Carla. Beth didn't know about you either. Beth looked sheepish. Again, in fairness, she didn't know about me either. Bridget's jaw just worked for a moment. Then, inevitably, all three of them turned to look at me. I shifted nervously. The fact that you survive with all five limbs intact, especially the big one, is amazing, Bridget said. Beth just laughed, and Carla added, Yeah, if he weren't so goddamn good, he'd be dead for sure. Bridget just sighed in a way that conveyed contented agreement. So we are all caught up. Nothing else, she added menacingly. Alastair's Mary has a twin sister, and he nailed her on the same night, in the same room as he screwed Mary, only back and forth, and we got it out of him when we were in his room just after we found out about each other, and then Ben came in, and we told him, and he about died, and then Beth gave Ben, and we told him, and he about died, and then Beth gave Ben a lap dance to make him stay quiet, and then she threatened him to make it stick, Carla said hurriedly, before taking a deep breath. Oh, and I think Beth wants to maybe fuck Ben too. Bridget looked back and forth between the other two girls. Beth looked rather outraged, and clearly felt the last bit was not so much dark secrets revealed as it was rampant. Drive, buy, speculation. And oh yeah, looking at my dark-haired friend, I was sure that Carla's speculation was correct. Beth was totally going to, at the very least, suck Ben's cock. I hoped he'd survive. I'd seen the kind of girl he'd been with before. Beth would be like getting called up to the big leagues. That's it, declared Bridget. There is too much to process. We are going up to Alistair's room right now and explain fucking everything in detail. No, we are not, I said firmly. They all three looked at me a little strangely. Even now, with everything that had happened, they still got surprised that I might so much as have an opinion once the three of them got going amongst themselves. I am going to my dorm, alone. Once there, I will take about nine showers to make sure I get this incredibly sexy but dangerous odour off of me. Then I will put on clean, comfortable underwear, because I swear, if I get one more hard-on, in a jockstrap, I am going to snap right off. We are going up there just to talk, Beth said quellingly. I will be alone in my dorm room with three achingly hot girls, working out some issues among us related to sex, I snapped back almost testily. If I don't get at least five hard. Ons, I should to see a doctor or something. The three of them shared a look or two that did not bode safety. I overrode the diversion, is also going to go take a shower of her own, sadly peeling the last vestiges of my supposedly uniquely delicious spume off her face. All three of them cracked up at that, even though Beth and Carla weren't there for the conversation I was referencing. 
but they got the gist from my tone. And you two, I went on, for the sake of completeness, since I was suddenly drunk with power and issuing orders. You will. Ah! I paused while they both looked at me in amusement. This was not the way to cement my new assertiveness. You two should just, um, oh hell, give each other a shower. How's that? Then we are all on the same cleanliness level. Oh yeah, Carla drawled. Got one more item for the secret's agenda. Since about eight seconds after the two of us found out about each other's, Alistair's been trying to con us into a fucking threesome. Not without me, Bridget snorted. She got up with her tray and only caught their looks at her just before she turned. 